On the 1929 episode, the Collingwood machine chugs along, more finely tuned than either of the previous two seasons. Although Richmond, smarting from the last two grand final losses, plot their downfall. Carlton think they have found the right coach to give them the edge, and St Kilda began to make a move towards the finals as well. New grandstands are opened, record goals are kicked, and the league loses another historical figure. All that and more, coming up after our song. It's the history of football we knows about And we want to expand what we know We'll become such intelligent gentry With every kick-to-kick show Beginning in the time 1870s Right through to the modern day Tune in for Timmy Coops and the Kazman To hear what they all have to say Welcome to the 1929 Kick to Kick podcast. My name is Tim. We have the Kazman back. Hi, I'm glad to be back. Thank you. And we have Coops sitting opposite. Hello, hello. It's great to have you back, Kaz. Kaz, we missed you last episode. We certainly did. Uh, no, that's probably not true. You it, probably went no, we fine did. Without it's 100% and actually, true. You are integral to this show, so we're glad to have you back. Well, we I didn't think... quite realise how important you were no. <laughs> until you weren't here. <laughs> until Charlie and I had all our thinking time taken <laughs> yeah. away from us. We need that. Uh, yes. I think you said I was the glue that held. Yeah, you it are. Yeah, absolutely, oh, you are. Plus, cool. you're the uh, the tech man who does all the work for us. So mm. <laughs> yes, no, we greatly we have more of an appreciation for you now. Oh, mm. thanks, everybody. So good to have you back. And I hope the audience feels the same. <laughs> <laughs> the you don't know what you got until it's gone. <laughs> so, um, firstly, a, a shout out to our listeners in Hong Kong and Brazil. Ah, oh, good to have you listening uh, to the show. Yes, it certainly is. Still looking for that elusive uh, Russian download, though. Oh, Anyone, I can't wait. What, what other incentives can we give? Um, well, we're about to send some badges to Hong Kong. I mean, what more? <laughs> yeah, we need to do that. Oh, an no open more. invitation to be on the show anytime. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Come talk to us about the history of yeah. AFL in Russia. Yep. <laughs> well, they could do the um, the captain at the end of the season um, call. We could call Russia, and they could put on the next. Oh, yeah. that'd be good. Yep. yep. Yeah, I'd love that. Uh, so please, go and someone download us in Russia. Yes. Um, a few other things as well. We our website's up and running, uh, kicktokickpodcast.com. So go and check that out. Yeah, check it out. There's a bit up, bit of stuff up there already, yeah, which is you, great. Uh, we've got a section I've just started called the Crap Chronicles. If you want to know a bit more about Ivo Crap and the uh, legend that he was, we just I can't let him go. And who wouldn't want to know more about no. him? That's right. Fantastic. An umpire. It's a great man. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's great. Um, and we're coming off the back of our live show as well. Yeah, so thank you everyone who came down and watched. It was a lot of fun. It was, you know, thoroughly enjoyable. It was. Yeah. So hopefully we have that episode up, replacing the old one soon. Yeah, and if you want to listen to the first terrible one, do it quickly before yeah. it comes down. Um, so before, actually, uh, should we get to some history first? Yes. Well, uh, 1929... Was a was a great year, Timmy. It was a great, was a great year? year. Yeah, lots happened. Lots great happened. Okay. It was the end of the Roaring Twenties, so was. maybe not so great. It but was, um, well, the hit song I've got for you is one we probably all know. Uh, it's called "When You're Smiling." The whole the world smiles, smiles oh, with you. No way. I love Louis that Armstrong. song. Lovely. It's a great song. Satchmo. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh, well, okay. Let's let's get into some history. Yep. So, uh, starting off the year, third of January. Against uh, England in the third test match at Melbourne, Donald Bradman made his first century ever for Australia, 112. Don. The big Don. On the 17th of Jan, uh, Popeye made his first appearance (laughs) as a comic strip. Um, 
on the 11th of February, the Vatican City was established as a sovereign enclave within Rome. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, there you go. On the 27th of June, the first public demonstration of a colour TV was held. Um, The first images were a bouquet of roses and an American flag. (laughs) So very similar to what we watch now. Very house of cards. Um, On the 12th of October... In the Australian federal election, the Labor Party defeated the coalition government. So Stanley Bruce was kicked out of office. He was the first Australian uh, Prime Minister to lose his own seat, the second being John Howard in 2007. Wow. So it was a big gap. Yeah. And October 24 to 29 was the big Wall Street crash. Obviously, we know October 29th, but it happened over five days. Three massive drops wiped more than $30 billion from the New York Stock Exchange, which is 10 times greater than the annual budget of the federal government at the time. Mm, Good time to buy. Yeah, (laughs) that's it. And on the 5th of November, Night March won the Melbourne Cup. Ah. Yeah, there we go. Got to get it in. (laughs) So a few births for you as well. On the 15th of January, Martin Luther King Jr., on the 23rd of March, Sir Roger, Roger Bannister, the doctor, uh, was the first man to run the four-minute mile. Yeah. Uh, Fred Hollows, the ophthalmologist, was born on April 9th. Yes. Audrey Hepburn in May. Jackie Onassis, the first lady, mm. on the 28th of July. Arnold Palmer, the great man, the great golfer, on t- 10th of September. Eddie Charlton, the great billiards player. Yeah. Yeah, you with me? Oh, yeah, you knew, yeah. Uh, yeah, I could see you knew the name. Yeah, I was trying to work out, yeah. did he invent the dance or Charleston? <laughs> no, yeah. Sorry. On the 31st of October, 12th of November, Grace Kelly. And on the 9th of December, the great Bob Hawke. Oh, who just who died. Who just died, oh, yeah. Time, weeks ago. Yeah. So, yeah. Great year. Great year. Yeah. Nice. Mm. When you no. nice <laughs> Yeah, it is. All right, um, Kazman. Yeah. Let's very quickly. Um, yes. We got to we got to just work this out before we start the McCracken name award. And the McCracken name award is the person with the funniest name. Funniest slash best name. <laughs> what the winner last year, Hollington London. We worked out his first name was Walter. So Walter Hollington London is. The, the it makes it holder. even better actually yes. somehow. <laughs> However, he only played that one season. Ah. Oh. So the award's back up in the air. So it's up for grabs. Do like. And we've had Jazzley's Jazz Gambetta, Gambetta is still in the lead. Does that mean he instantly gets it back, or is it open slather? Can he still win it? What's? Yeah, we were discussing this um, off air, and I wasn't even sure how funny Jazzley's Gambetta's name really is. Okay, um, it's it's pretty entertaining. Yep, it's starting to wear thin. Okay, so, yeah, so there you go. Yeah. yeah, so we're looking for a, a new. New name. That's it. That's I've, got it. Some, I've got some options. You can only for us. be on the top for so long that's right. before that tall poppy syndrome just comes and cuts <laughs> oh. you down. Oh, no. That's uh. where it starts. All right. <laughs> so, to start with, we'll get to league news. Yes. Um, and we'll start with some sad league news as well. Very sad. So, uh, 1929 was the year that Henry Harrison passed away. Yes. The. So, Father of the game, the father of one the of game. the fathers of the game. Yes, but he has—he actually has the official title, of father the, of the yeah. game. Um, so he died at the age of ninety-two. It's a, a huge innings. We were talking about this earlier as well. He was born the year after Melbourne was Founded. proclaimed a city. Yeah. Founded, nineteen thirty-six. He's as old as Melbourne. He's as old as Melbourne. Yeah, he is Melbourne. He is Melbourne <laughs> mm. in more ways than one. So, Absolutely. just some some really quick facts about Henry Harrison. He was the captain of Richmond, Melbourne, and Geelong. Um, then captain of Melbourne again. He was elected a member of the committee of the MCC in 1871. 
was vice president from 1892 until his death. He was basically the reason that the uh, bouncing the ball rule was brought in as well, if we remember that, because he was so fast that they brought it in to kind of slow down him and Geelong when he was at Geelong. That's right. Yeah. And he was for it because he was happy to make the game a more fair place. He's a great man. <laughs> um, he retired in eight, uh, from football in 1872 at the age of 36, having <laughs> played in like the, the inaugural however many years that is. Um, when the VFL, VFA first formed in 1877, Harrison was elected vice president. And in 1905, he was chairman of the first... Australian Football Council, where he was granted life membership and the official designation of father of the game. Love it. So, obviously can't stay around forever, and 92 is a great innings. Great innings. Not quite 112 like Don Bradman, his <laughs> first century. No. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, sad to lose someone like him. I'm, I'm glad Melbourne won the flag in 26. Yeah, so for him. See that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then I uh, got to raise the flag at the next uh, start of the next season. It's a great times. I mean, it is breaking with tradition, but I'll, I'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we've had a little bit mentioned of him coming into the rooms, you know, being amongst the crowd, getting photos. Mm. He's, yeah, he's he, knew, he, he knew everyone. Integral the whole way. Yeah, everyone loved him. Yeah. Just um, like you're the glue that holds this show together, <laughs> he was the glue that held the game together. Oh, when we started this podcast, I thought I'd be com- hopefully compared to someone like him. <laughs> <laughs> Dream achieved, guys. <laughs> okay. Um, now... To other league news, there's actually some footage of this season floating around on YouTube as well. Can you believe it? So we'll put that up on the, as a link, but there's yeah, footage of a, of a Melbourne and St Kilda game later in the season. And there's also um, just footage of players kind of standing around mm. looking at the camera and trying to work out what to do. Yeah, I'm really just yeah, not sure how to act in front of a camera. Yeah, so you can't, there's no sound, but there's just Love it. moving images. For all you Melbourne fans, it's probably better to go watch uh, games from 29 than it is to watch games today, I would imagine. Um. <laughs> um, okay, so a few other bits of league news. Despite opposition from Richmond, Collingwood and Carlton, the league decided to increase the price of membership tickets to eight shillings. The extra monies are intended to go towards the VFL purchasing their own building, which yes, they would later. Which in the they do later. So, will we talk about that later, Tim? Or I'm, we... I'm about to get to. I've okay, great. A few more things happen before then. Excellent. Um, the league also refused to add a 19th man. There's been calls for this consistently now the last few years. Um, to pass this rule, though, the league needed a three quarters majority, and four clubs didn't want the extra player. Especially because of the depression, so that meant having to pay four extra players. Yeah. Or pay extra players for games. So that was one of the big reasons it didn't get bought so in. So they've only got two thirds. Um, no good. Yeah. Uh, in May, the theatrical employees union called upon uni- unionists to boycott games at the MCG on the charge that the grounds management wasn't observing terms of the award covering ticket sellers. Oh, okay. Which is a bit obscure, but still affected the football. Um, at the end of the year, the Melbourne committee instructed its delegates to the VFL to vote against the further expansion of the competition and a 22-round season, so there was a proposal ahead. But the, the uh, Futures Committee instructed its delegates to vote against it. Yep. No more expansion. Cut it down. And finally, what we're going to get to, uh, in 18, the 18th of June, the VFL was incorporated as a public company. Yeah. They purchased a Which three-story building. Amazing that it, uh, like you sort of don't think about it as a, uh, as a public company, I guess, even still, but you would have thought... Since the beginning of the VFL, you would have thought the VFL is a, a company. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's amazing. It's taken, uh, what, 32 years? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they, they purchased a building on the corner of Spring Street and Flinders Street. And they Flinders made, Lane. 
Yep, Flinders yep. Lane. And they named it? Hen- uh, Harrison House. Harrison House. And he was actually around for that. He died later that year. So he was around for a couple yeah. of months. Yes, so he, in, he that saw that was named June, after he died him on the 2nd of September. September. Yeah. yeah. So that's great. Yeah, fantastic. All right. So let's get to some league news then. Uh, some, some, the uh, season. The season. The season. Uh, doing it like we usually do, Kazman, bottom to top. <laughs> okay, so... Bring it on. Uh, in 12th spot, we've got North Melbourne with one win. Better than last time. <laughs> and um, 17 losses, 60.2. Well, we should just say that Hawthorne's finally off the bottom, finally which is good bottom. to see. So, um, captain coach at the beginning of the year by Charlie Tyson, who stepped down uh, after a few rounds, he just... I mean, they couldn't win a game, so he just no, he just no. left it. And uh, Tim Travaskas took over as captain. Um, Paddy Noonan eventually took over as coach. They did uh, approach Hagenschmidt first, but he was, he was contracted to Paran. Yeah, yeah. Um, and their lead goal kicker was John Dowling with twenty eight. A pretty meagre season. Yeah, for it was the boys. really. Look, there's not going to be much we talk about. A debutante for you, Kaz Jerry Toit. <laughs> T-U-I-T-E doiker, doiker. Yeah. Um, Their one shining light that season Was their, uh, the victory towards the end of the season In round 14 Great. Um, Against Footscray Close game uh, Footscray came back at them So North took hold in the third quarter But couldn't score And the Tricolors came home hard To try and steal the game But North Melbourne held out by 13 points in the end Good on them Getting that one win, that solitary win that for solitary the season. Win. Excellent. And, yeah, that's really, there's nothing else to talk about with North Melbourne. That no. was pretty much it. Yeah. So coming up in 11th place then is Fitzroy. Uh, wow, I was going to say Footscray. No, it's <laughs> Yeah. Um, with uh, three wins and 15 losses, 73.3%. Yeah. So, again, a bit uh, bit funny at the top, Fitzroy. They didn't start the season with a coach. They they couldn't find one, so they had a head trainer. Yeah, and in a very familiar with a very familiar name, Jimmy Freak. Yeah, champion. So he, champion. So he took over, I guess, in sort of a, uh, a night watchman type role, <laughs> just to just to guide them. Yeah. And so that that happened in early February. Yeah. He was the uh, the club's supervisor of training. Supervisor of training for the first eight rounds. Yeah. Um, Not just a miraculous goal kicker. And yeah. after. After that, Doug Ringrose took over as coach. Mm. Um, their captain was Charlie Chapman, who, because they were having a terrible season, offered to resign. He did. Uh, but there was no one really to take the position, so the club said, you keep it, Charlie. Yeah. yeah. And their lead goal kicker was Jack Moriarty with 58. This is the last of six consecutive years of him being the lead goal kicker for Fitzroy. Yeah. Great um, man. Debutant for you, Kazman, yeah. Arthur Cochran. <laughs> um, Cochran the other what about Jack Cashman as well? Cashman, yeah, yeah, that's, I like that's close that. to your name as well. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. With a C? Okay. C. Um, and then, and then, had, obviously, we talked about the captain Charles Chapman, who I just feel it's Charlie like Charlie Chaplin, Chaplin yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> um, Twenty-seven other debutants came in in this season as well. They had a lot of debutants. Um, yeah, 42 players playing all up yeah, that four, year. Yeah, four from VFL teams and the others were just all from local clubs. Oh. Yeah. Now, if you remember the end of last season, there was a whole sweeping change to the administration. Everyone was pushed out yes. except for the president. So DJ Chandler was still the president. 
he was not a DJ. <laughs> um, he was he'd stay president for another few years. So as much as change as they wanted wasn't quite what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, a few words here about Charles Chapman. It says Charlin in the uh, in the Argus, I think. Uh, his strongest point is in play is his high marking. He has a good pair of hands and can hold the ball well and springs for high marks with judgment. He kicks over long distances. He utilizes the torpedo punt kick Love and it. is fairly accurate when shooting for goal. He's a popular player with his clubmates and other players because of his fairness and modesty. He is quiet to an unusual degree. Mm. Do you think the standards for uh, for how good you have to be in front of goal were less pronounced <laughs> back then when they weren't getting paid outrageous amounts of money? Yeah, you know, like it's like he's fairly good in front of goal <laughs> is is good enough. Yeah. Whereas now, every time if you miss within yeah. within range, you're like, Yo, this is your job. It is, yeah. yeah. That's his job. Yeah. Is it? Uh, um, sorry to take a different tack to it, but um, uh, is that the? That's not many times we hear the mention of a torpedo. No. No. It's obviously right. been yeah, around yeah. before this. That, um, like it, it but it's saying. not that old, is it? At no. this stage, yeah. Uh, cool. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they comprehensively beat North Melbourne in round two before ten successive losses, and then luckily they played North Melbourne again. And had another win. <laughs> so they're two. They're, oh, no, they won three. So 10 in a row they lost, which was their worst run of losses in their history up until this point. Oh, wow. Um, round seven, they had a loss to Essendon. First-year player Paul Killeen was reported. Umpire Kofi said he saw a scrimmage on the wing near the grandstand just before the start of the fourth quarter. Killeen ran up to Webster of Essendon and struck him on the back of the neck with two fists. The umpire yelled out, Cut that out, you've gone far enough. <laughs> <laughs> He was found guilty and given eight weeks, and that was the end of his five-game career. Bye-bye. Jeez. Um, so he played five and was suspended for eight. That's, yeah, and that was yeah. it. That was it. <laughs> yeah. um, around about this time, uh, Jim Watson crossed over from Carlton. He was considering hanging up the boots, but uh, they talked him into finishing off the season there. He played six games for the Maroons. They finished off their season with a big five-goal win over Essendon. But only three wins for the season was a poor return for a proud club. One of the big difference, uh, big issues was that they had, didn't have much experience. Jack Moriarty was the only player who had over 100 games. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. As you said, he kicked 58 for the year, including two holes of six. But yeah. apart from that, yeah, lacking yeah, experience. A pretty nothing year. Not true back yeah. then as it is now. In 10th place, Hawthorne, four wins and 14 losses. So first time Hawthorne have finished outside the bottom two. Mm. Um they broke their drought. Um, so, they, yeah, they broke the drought round seven. It was, it had been, what, tw- what did we say? About 27, 27 games since they'd last won. Um, captain yeah. coach Kaz by a very familiar name this year, yeah. Bert Chadwick. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, Who was going Bert. to retire. Who was, and we'll talk more about that when we get to, when we get to Melbourne, but he, he did retire and then was coaxed out of retirement. Mm. Um, and their lead goal kicker was Bert Hyde with 52 um, and look at them! Look at look how great they're. Yeah, going. well, that's it. He changed. He changed everything. He's a great man. <laughs> the great Chadwick. Um, sorry, I said fifty-two. I believe Bert Hyde had forty-seven. Actually, they had a, plenty of players play as well. Forty play this year. Um, yeah, interesting uh, one. So my favourite name of the debutants is Lenyem. First name Len, surname Yem. You say someone before it was like pork or something like that? Did you say? Yeah. Uh, no, not, it's not on that list. And by the way, you've got to give a visual of this. We've got a little going <laughs> It's getting up there. We can all see. It's up on the music stand. Um, nothing about pork? No. Oh, was like, maybe I... Paul Killeen was oh, an umpire? Pork, yeah. pork clean. Pork clean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought you said. Okay, so moving on. I um, other debutantes included Jack Ryan. 
uh, who is a Tom Clancy character, and a, a guy called uh, Reverend Lyle Williams, who was a pastor with the Church of Christ, also debuted ah, for Hawthorne. Nice. That's it's. I actually watched Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit last night. I can't believe you just mentioned that. That's really, yeah. There you go. So as you said, round seven saw not only their first win of the year, but their first since round 15, 1927. <laughs> and they beat South by 19 points at Glen Ferry. Yeah. They round, held on. They held on. Yeah. Round nine, they had their first ever win over Fitzroy by 35 points. Round 10, back to back. What? Two goal win over North to make it three from four in the, over those four weeks. And um, then and they made it. They had one more for the season, uh, their best season yet. Yeah, round seventeen with a forty-four point win over Footscray. Yeah, well done, Excellent. well done, May Blooms. They may bloom yet. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. And in ninth place, obviously much more improved as well. And we just mentioned them, Footscray, with uh, six wins and eleven losses, one draw actually as well. Well, not no. Actually the, tri- improved. the tricolors were, were finished, finished seventh. seventh last year. Okay, sorry about no, but then you, you, yeah, you missed generally. that episode. Yes, Kaz, you went so there. So you're excused. You're forgiven. <laughs> uh, so the tricolors coached by Alec Eason this year and captained by Alan Hopkins. Is that Bunny Eason? Bunny Eason, yeah. Um, and their lead goal kicker was Albie Morrison with 50. Yeah, kicked a goal in every game. Good on him, he big Alb. Yeah. <laughs> he knows what to do. Um, one of their debutants was Bonnie Izzard. Bonnie, he's a Bonnie Izzard. Bonnie Izzard. I like it. Um, They also had a new grandstand open this season, a 22,000-pound stadium. Uh Um, Grandstand opened at Western Oval. Hey, never right. That's fantastic. Um, So some of the highlights of Footscray's season, round five against Melbourne, they fell behind by 35 points in a scoreless first quarter. Yep. And then Footscray fought back, hit the front by halftime. With the game winding down and scores close, Footscray had a golden chance to win with a free kick close to goal. It was kicked out of bounds on the full and eventually lost the game, the opening quarter really costing them in the yeah, end. Next opportunity. Round six, yes. they beat Hawthorne at Western Oval. In that third quarter, Charlie. Yes. How many, how, what did they score? They, they kicked seven goals, 16 behinds. So 23 effective scoring shots, yeah. which is still the most scoring shots by any team in one quarter. Yeah. Isn't oh, that impressive? That Might not be, it's not the biggest score, but the, no, the, the most scoring shots. shots. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't fault them for trying. For a team that finished ninth as well, it's uh, well, I guess it's against Hawthorne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, round sixteen, after some early difficulties, Melbourne again against Footscray overcome the tricolours by forty-one points. In this game, it was rumoured that the Footscray players had been offered two pounds per head if they won. Remembering, you know, we're very close to the fall of the uh, depressions. Yeah, the uh, the major point of the depression. So any money they could come by would be yeah. It was starting to turn desperate. Um, nef- nothing was ever proved. They closed at half time, but they couldn't get back into it. So the season six wins for the year and a draw, but they never won more than one game in a row. After round twelve, they sat a game outside the four, but then they'd lose their next six in a row to end the season. Hmm. A little bit of hope there. Yes. South Melbourne in eighth place with seven wins and 11 losses and their percentage is roughly the same as the others, 84.8%, I think, to yeah. shout about. So those fantastic bloods were coached this year by a very familiar name, Skeeter Flyder, Fred Flyder. Oh, mm. So back. Charlie Panham had been coaching them for yes. several years. Uh, he, early in, this, in the year, applied for the coaching job at Brunswick and uh, was successful, then kind of had to wait to be cleared by the club but was actually cleared, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, new coach, which is... New uh, coach, yeah. Fred Flyder. And which Cap- was... Yep. Well, actually, we'll talk about this in a minute. Okay. But um, 
there's actually originally coached by Jim Caldwell to start the season. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, we'll talk about that in a minute. It was so captained by Chaz Stanbridge. Yeah. And their lead goal kicker was Austin Robertson with 52. Yeah. They are... He was kind of... Well, they had a couple of avenues to goals. He was the main one. Peter Revel kicked 35 as well. Um, there weren't too many names I saw here. Oh, Cecil Petiona. Did you see that one? No, is he a uh, debutant? Um, yes, he certainly is. Anyone called Cecil Musket? Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Cecil Cyril. I had uh, Dennis Dinny Fagan as well. <laughs> yeah. Ron Hills, Hugh McLaughlin. Okay. Yeah. Um, Very good. So, so uh, Jim Caldwell, who was an ex-South Melbourne player as well, yeah. took over as coach. In round one, they played Melbourne, and Jim Caldwell decided to play their star full forward, Ted Johnson, on the back flank. The committee were not impressed, I can tell you. The next week against St Kilda, he was back in his proper spot, kicked one in their win over St Kilda. Now, these things go through your mind when you're watching a footy game, but he's gone and actually done it, and then he's yeah, out. He's okay. out. Um, so following round six, so they had then had a few losses. Round six, they had a three-point win over Richmond, but then coach Jim Caldwell handed in his resignation. Oh. Yeah. Many of the committee members were displeased, displeased with his coaching methods, and Ted Johnson's move to half-back is obviously one of those. So um, Fred Flutter stepped in. He was a member of the committee, took over coaching in honor, only an honorary position. He didn't yep. really want it, and so he only had it for the rest of this season. Yeah, and while they were looking for someone else. Yeah, and it's interesting. The newspaper noted how Skeeter looks very different from his playing days as he has gained enormously in weight. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's a good paddock. Yeah, good. Yeah. Um, round 10, 11, 12, they had wins over Fitzroy North and Melbourne. Austin Robertson kicked the combined 21 goals in those three games on his way to leading this, this uh, team's goal kicking. And he kicked 24 in his last four games, so some big hauls. Yeah, so, t- so you just said 21 and 24 in seven games. Mm. We kicked the majority of his goals for the season in, in seven games. Yeah, there are, so round 16 was probably their highlight. A win in the wet over Essendon at Lakeside Oval. Austin Robinson had a grand display kicking six for the Bloods. Um, now, to end the season, quite sadly, Jim Caldwell, who had handed his reg- resignation, passed away. Oh, so probably a good thing that he had handed in his resignation because he apparently was sick. So that yeah. might have something to do with it yep. as well. Uh, quite sudden as well, three months after he finished coaching. Ooh, and he, not geez. that old. No. There's, like, a few, there's been a few of those recently, yeah, hasn't there? Some deaths. That we yeah. talk about. Yeah. yeah. It must change you the way the way you uh, I don't know have a club or an organisation. Things like that can happen so quickly that you have to wonder if that changes the way you your outlook. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, seventh place, Geelong, uh, eight wins and ten losses. So, just that extra one over south and 108.6%. That's it. So, a bit, a bit of a healthier percentage there for the pivots. Uh, captain coached yeah. by Arthur Coughlin this Arthur year. Arthur Bull Coughlin. The Bull, the big Ooh. Bull. And their lead goal kicker, Jack Plunkett, with 29. Mm. Um, so, remembering Tom Fitzmaurice was coaching last year. He yes. donated his wage to the club. Um he left to coach in the country, and I don't know if he was chasing money, which would not really suit him because he gave he his gave money it away. So yeah, but I, maybe times have changed. Possibly, I'm not 100 percent sure why he left. It fell on hard times. Possibly. Who knows? Um, really interesting story as well. Kaji Greaves, Brownlow medalist, yes. yes, traveled to America over the off season to instruct the Southern California University American football players in the art of kicking. <gasps> that there is we go. The chance. original Ben Graham. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Early on. Cool. So he returned in time for the start of the season, luckily. 
So they would they have heard about our game and realized yeah. the skill in kicking? Well, remember just before World War One, there was all this there was this plan to take the game over to the states. Yeah. yeah. And that only got scuttled, 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 scuttled. Yeah, because of the war, scuppered that, that pesky war. Yeah, could be, also yeah. ruined our ruined the entrance into New South Wales and Brisbane as well. Mm. We're still just catching up now, aren't we? Yeah, pesky war. <laughs> um, Geelong started well, wins over North and Melbourne, and then a controversial win over St Kilda, which we'll talk about later with St Kilda. Ooh, so I three, them yet. yeah, yeah three, three in a row. Uh, then they followed with uh, round four loss to Collingwood. But in this game, Geelong fans applauded umpire Lahini as he left, showing that their supporters are just as ready to recognise good umpiring as well as bad umpiring. Excellent. Which I, feel I think like that's is important. Really in the news and really topical at the moment. It certainly yeah, is. People constantly talking about bad sports. The way the people supporting. are speaking. Yeah. I read today that uh, Joffa's not going to be going to anymore. He's boycotting until Gil McLaughlin apologises to fans. Well, I don't think Joffa will be going to any more games then. No. <laughs> Uh, round eight, Lloyd Hager played his final game for the Black Cats. Yeah, that he was it. So he sat out last year because of injury. Oh, no, because of jo- a job. Yes. But in this round eight game, um, he collided with Pat Keary from the team, hurt his leg bad- badly, so much so it was put into a plaster of Paris, and that was that was his career. That was the end of it. So he, he managed to kick 14 goals in his eight games, yeah. but that's that was the end of a, of a great career. Yes. He would have played in that grand final, did he? Uh, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh my God. So losing, they lost Rankin at the end of last year and Hager this season. So, that's so they've two still, big yeah, they've still got a couple, but not that many. They've still, we're still doing, you know, Red Chicky's still there, Kaji Greaves, as we as we talked about. Yeah. But we're those changing of the guards. Yeah, they're eight round eighteen. They had a win over Richmond by forty points at Cario, which was their best win. Good way to end the season as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Essendon, sixth place, uh, with nine wins, one draw, and eight losses, Tim. 96.0%. Chug along, Kaz. Look, yeah, sixth, sixth isn't bad. It's half. It's not finals. 50%. It's, it's a pass. Look, it's our, it's, compared to our standards, yeah. we expect finals. Lofty. It's, it's very, the lofty, it's, same old standards. Yeah, and so now it's very meh. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, Just like Hufflepuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, coached by Charlie Hardy, captained by Norm Beckton, their lead goal kickers, uh, Keith Forbes and Len Johnson, both had 40. Yeah. Um, they lost a great man this year, Timmy. They lost Greg Stockdale to Northcote. Mm. So, he played 189, sorry, 108 games and kicked 189 goals in those games. Those local clubs are having a great time down there. Yeah, well, there's money, where there's money, the players will go, yeah. especially in these t- desperate times. Yeah. So, there was, there was one other interesting fact I had about them as well. And uh, you, you'll know more about this than me, but also one of their players, Clary Hearn, Won the store gift this he year. He did, which is uh, in a, eleven a great and, tradition at Essendon. Well, that's what I was going to say. That's three store gift winners, isn't it? Now uh, I think only two. Tracker, uh, not Tracker. Tracker Stucky. Sorry, George Stucky. Sorry, George Stucky. I know Collingwood had one a few seasons ago. But I, okay, so that's why that's why I asked. I thought it might be three, but I would say Essendon is. You might have finished six on the ladder, but your first install gifts. <laughs> Absolutely. More yeah. than everybody. So we're talking about a l- just under 12 seconds off a handicap of 10 yards for his yeah. win there. Oh, good on that, you, Clary. Is, is that good? Thank you. I don't know. I don't really know how the store <laughs> gift works. Uh, so start of the season, Harry Hunter was refused a clearance and Garney Campbell resigned, but then was talked into coming back. So not great. Um, first game was a disaster with a huge loss to Carlton and not, not the best way to start off a season Kaz losing to Carlton especially, Never. especially these days but back then 
Uh, round two, Len Johnson kicked nine goals in a nine-point win over Footscray. So there's some hope there. Nice. Round seven, they beat Fitzroy with Keith Forbes, kicking eight in a 52-point win. And then round 14, possibly the best game, even though it wasn't a win, able to scrap together a draw against eventual grand finalist to Richmond. Excellent, yeah. Yeah, so no, yeah they, Probably yeah. Charlie Hearn winning the store gift was the highlight. But the story of the season was injuries. Tom Clark broke his arm in round one. Uh, William Speakman broke his leg in round four. Jack Vosti went down in round eight. Um, there were lots of close games, 10 games with a margin of two goals or less. Uh, Essendon coming out, six wins, three losses, and a draw from those games. Okay. So still quite a strong. Yeah, so if they won three of those games, they'd be playing finals. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right, that's how many they're off. Yep. Um, and one, a couple of games ahead, Melbourne in fifth place with 11 wins, one draw and six losses. So just not quite making finals this year, the uh, the Fuchsias, the Red Legs. Um, captain coached by Ivor Warren-Smith again for his second year. Yep. Um, lead goal kicker was Dick Taylor with 30. So as we said before, um, very sad year for the club. Bert Chadwick, the... Uh, premiership captain mm. of 26, mm-hmm. um, ret- retired, and as we said, was was tempted out of retirement by Hawthorne um, and then retired at the, from them at the end of this year. And I think he comes back to Melbourne in a, a ministerial... He does, he comes back, yes. Yeah. And then also is part of the MCC also after that. Ah, um, look, it was, it was a bit of a... It was an up and down season. We had to beat... Collingwood in the final round to make the four, mm. and the machine is yeah that was on. yeah it was never going to happen. No. Um, <laughs> one of the debutantes name I like Ted Esposito. Ah, <laughs> Tesposito. Ted Esposito. Mm. Uh, round one, despite muddy, damp conditions, uh, and four debutantes, Melbourne run away to win over South. Conditions weren't helped, though, by a burst water main under the ground, which made the turf even more treacherous. Oh, good. That's <laughs> what um, you need. Or the umpire, who awarded 158 three kicks, or one every 28 seconds. <laughs> For the entire game. For the entire record? game. So two a minute. It's not a record. Oh, no. okay. Cool. Glad we brought uh, it yeah. up anyway, Hang on. It's not well, a no, record. Two a mi- no, it's not a record. There's, there's a worse umpire that comes up oh my god <laughs> Do we know this guy's name? amazing there, like you can pull a there, well no there is the, the umpire who holds the record okay. has, a, has a name I think it's Jolly and he's known as the Jolly Whistler I think it's something like that <laughs> great I love it I can't wait to talk about something him something to look forward to okay, um, another uh, another name here for you Kaz oh my god. Alec Proudfoot now Ooh. he I think we talked about him Relation. yeah I think he's the nephew of Bill played one one game this year Littlefoot <laughs> Had he played like two seasons ago? Uh, he, yes, he did. He played for St Kilda in 26 and 27. Okay, so is he still in the running for the McCracken Award, even though... Um, no, but I like him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Uh, round four, Bob Johnson kicked nine in a big win over North. Yes. Oh, Bobby. Round 10, in a close game with Richmond, Melbourne adopted more rugged measures and met Richmond with hard bumps. They used the handball to score goals. Tried to beat them at their own game. Yep. During the third quarter, Melbourne's defence held Richmond out for most of the term before two quick goals from the Tigers at the end of the last quarter gave them the advantage. Richmond held... This is the third quarter. Sorry, not the last quarter. Richmond held for most of the quarter before slowing due to their injured players. Allowed the Fuchsias to storm home and win via a lucky snap out of the pack by George Cassidy in the dying moments. Excellent. 
Richmond did have the chance to win with the ball down their end when the ball, bell rang. Um, many players had to be assisted off the ground at the end of the game with the conditions of the game taking a heavy toll. Mm. There you go. So well, yeah. Ri- snap for goal. <laughs> Round 14 against Fitzroy and Melbourne strengthened their chances of finishing in the top four with a comfortable win over the Maroons. First half was a struggle, but the six goal to one third quarter blew the game wide open. <laughs> Round 16 in the mud against Footscray and Melbourne settled down and took over, but as they did, the Footscray players turned to violence. Oh, it's ne- it's, it's never an answer. Way. It's never an answer. The Argus said every possible infringement of the laws was practiced. <laughs> so Captain Ivor Warnsmith saw the looming struggle and the possibility of losing players for finals due to injury and suspension. He directed his players to play an open style of match so they didn't get dragged into the war. Um, Good. During the halftime interval, a Melbourne fan ran onto the ground and struck a Footscray player, Arthur <laughs> Stevens, <laughs> a Melbourne fan, yeah. a usual yeah, don't proud, yeah, don't, polite yeah, Melbourne fan. That's right. He cracked him over the back of the head with a cheese board. Probably. Um, this man was caught and sentenced uh, to a five, five pound fine and a month in jail and, until his dad probably got him off. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Melbourne won by 41 points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Love it. Round 17. So it's it, not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. So round 17, you talked about Melbourne really needing to to win their last yes. few games. So they played St Kilda. St Kilda were one spot above them in fourth. Yes. Yep. And this is the game that's actually on YouTube. You can see footage of this. Knowing they'd play Collingwood the following week, this was a must-win game. They kicked with the wind in the first quarter. Uh, they were inaccurate and that cost them in the end. Francis Fine went down, so with 17 men and a poor start, they were not able to get the job done. Yeah. Which saw them in round 18 play in Ivor Warren Smith's 100th game, but get absolutely demolished. By yeah, completely machine. demolished. And really, yeah, had to uh, had to get it won and had to have St Kilda lose yes. quite considerably to, to uh, change that percentage yep. as well. You'll be pleased to know, though, that the club had an end-of-season trip down to Portsea. Again, good. Again, yes. Good. It's important. Yes. A day out. It was grand. It, it always is. It was a grand old time. <laughs> and you're right. In fourth place, St Kilda, with 12 wins and six losses. Now, 130.3%. Now, well, I, I missed last season, obviously, but uh, quite a big improvement there. Yeah. Still yeah, they, they came home hard last year, so they had a really indifferent start to the season, but, but finished well, a little bit like this okay. season, actually. They had uh, Sugar Sparrow still coaching them. Yes. So they bought because they bought back uh, their famous coach from 1913 that drove them to a grand final, right? To uh, right the ship, and he did. He did. He's right at it and it's going strong. So yeah, as as Timmy just said, still coached by Sugar Sparrow, uh, George Sparrow, and captained by Bill Bill Cubbins. Their lead goal kicker was Bill Moore with 38. Yeah. Um, uh, so some debutants this game, and uh, one of them's talked about in the YouTube video actually is Len Tiny Mills, Tiny South Mills. Australia. He was anything but tiny. He was six foot eight, and at the time, one of one of, if not the tallest player to ever play in the league. I love nicknames like that. It's my favourite thing. Like Bluey. Yeah, so good. Uh, Jack and Bill Moore were recruited from Wagga Wagga, as well as Alan Scott, Percy Outram, and Arthur Ludlow. Percy Outram was just behind Bill Moore with thirty-seven goals for the season as well. So these new recruits are able to kick a few. Mm, now, round one saw a great win over Hawthorne with Jazz Legs Gambetta showing tremendous aerial strength and everything for the team seemed to click. Yeah, of course. It and then what happens at St Kilda when things click? 
There's this magical dust. <laughs> yeah, round two it all fell apart. South Melbourne beat them. Billy Cubbins injured himself when a stone hit him on the on the noggin <laughs> in the third quarter, uh, which is actually quite a serious incident because it was thrown by the crowd. Uh, play was halted while his teammates attended to him. The police, however, got the culprit before St Kilda fans could. Uh, <laughs> and being oh, South Melbourne, his dad wasn't able to get him off, so he no, uh, he was out. Went to jail. Round three, we alluded to this before. Quite a controversial game at Junction Oval against Geelong. Yes, yeah. So there was uh, a lot of um, a lot of baying for the blood of the umpire during mm. this game. The St Kilda fans thought it was he was being very unfair and biased so, towards Geelong. Do you know the backstory to this? Uh, no. Which one? Uh, the umpire. Oh yes. He so the umpire Les Reynolds, yes, who is the uncle of Dick Reynolds, yep, uh, Essendon champion, yeah, was also an excellent killer player. Yeah, he'd already played. He played earlier for the Saints, not uh, not earlier in this year, no, early but in like earlier in his career. career yeah, yep. this was his third game in charge. So he was pretty annoyed that he was cut, Kaz, yes. by the team. So it seemed that paying freeze against his old team was a way to get revenge. Oh, so it was a way to get revenge. Well, that's what it's Oh, that's what they're saying. Okay. Well, it's irrefutable proof that it's true. (laughs) No, of course not. You can't prove it. Um, He lost control of the game by three-quarter time. The crowd were absolutely baying for his blood, like you said. Geelong ended up winning the game by three Three points. Three points, yeah. Um, But it was being said, it's been speculated in the books I read, that uh, no matter what way the game ended, the fans would have been... Yeah, whether yeah. it be Geelong fans or St Kilda fans. And maybe that was why Geelong fans the following week in round four made a point to clap the uh, the good umpiring of that umpire. Ah, uh, as sort of a Bronx-type cheer. Yeah. And, yeah, okay. So on the final bell, the crowd went after Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. They waited for him outside his rooms oh. until it got dark. Until almost seven o'clock. Yeah, and... and he had to sneak away and then yeah. they dis- uh, dispersed when they sort the of dispersed a little bit in the and he could dis- disappear into the darkness. Yeah, police had to escort him out. <laughs> That's fair. Um, Reminds me of my first junior game. Uh, yeah, there was a bit of bang for blow because you, you know you you kind of get quicker with the decision. As soon as you pause for a decision, yeah, it just invites everybody. Yeah, in. Of course. And sure enough, this one was a kick like just before the siren, like a couple of points, and the, the coaches are out of their seat. They're yelling it. They're waving. You, you, you hear all this noise. But all you can see is fingers waving. <laughs> Just waggling. Yeah. yeah. But, but I didn't have to wait till 7 o'clock. Thank God. Um, in the St Kilda history book, it was said that later in the night, a few St Kilda players kind of came across him and threw him into a fountain. <laughs> um, but he would never umpire a game again. No. That was his uh, well, third and final game. Third and final. So he was, yeah. obviously wasn't very good at it. No. Maybe they did have a point yes. after all that. Yeah. Uh, round four, things got a bit better. Fred Flops Phillips kicked eight goals as St Kilda hammered Fitzroy. Round five saw a four-point loss to the machine, to the Magpies. Yes. The closest any team got to beating them in the home and away season. Yes, we tip our hats to St Kilda. Mm. Oh, wow. Round 12, St Kilda player Bill Moore was moved to full forward for the first time, and this was a successful move. It certainly was. Kicked five goals in this win. He would go on to kick over 700 for his career at St Kilda. It's a good move. So it's a good move. It's a good move. Sugar. Um, round 17, they played in Melbourne. We talked about that uh, this game being on YouTube. Um, the win helps and keep Melbourne at bay and hold on to fourth spot. And heading into finals, St Kilda was spoken of as the team most likely to knock off Collingwood. Really? They had the most momentum. Yeah. They were, well, they were running with it. They came into the finals with seven wins in a row. Yeah, okay, interesting. Yeah. And also the only team to get cl- even close to Collingwood yeah. throughout so, the season. Yeah. yeah. Mm. 
And in third place, it's Richmond with 12 wins, one draw, five losses. Mm. Lower percentage. Um, so they've gone really well. Yes, they certainly have. I mean, they've been up there for quite a, f- more, a few years now, mm. just perennial bridesmaids. <laughs> um, so captain by Charles Lyburn, coached by the great defender Frank Checker Hughes. Their Ooh. lead goal kicker was Skinny Jack Titus with 54. Yes. Um. Yeah. Uh, he, was he in the team from the last uh, grand final? Uh, um, no, he wasn't quite for their last premiership. Yeah, that's what I mean. No, he's uh, this is his second or third year. Okay. Yeah, he only got moved to full forward last year during a trip to Mildura. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So he was. He was. Uh, yeah. Just Thank had fifty four. Their next closest was Jack McCormack with forty six. So mm. quite close. They had a few few avenues to goal. Few couple of guys in the twenties, which was good. Yeah. Uh, start of the season, George Randolph transferred to Oakley in the VFA without a clearance from Richmond or the league. So he was banned from playing VFL for the next three years and wouldn't oh. ever come back. But he was fine to go and play in the VFA? Yeah, of course. Yeah. You can't come back. Yeah. Oh, you can. You can wait for three years like uh, Charlie Panham did. Yeah. Uh, round three, Richmond won its first league game at the Essendon's ground, Windy Hill, for the first time. Yeah. Since 22 when they moved there. Jack McCormack kicked seven goals in that game. Round five, Richmond added eight goals, nine in the second quarter against Hawthorne at Punt Road. Massive. Club record for a quarter, eight goals, nine, 57. Well, yeah, it's I mean, huge. It's only 17 scoring shots. It's no Footscray. 23. 23. Yeah, <laughs> outrageous. Uh, round eight, Richmond's first quarter score of nine goals, four, 58 against Fitzroy. At Fitzroy's, a new club record score for a quarter. <laughs> the record only lasted three quarters. Um, Alan Geddes returned to the senior team after serving his eight-match ban. From the previous from year's the previous year, yeah. <laughs> Round twelve, Richmond is defeated by at Punt Road for the first time since July 30, 1927, after a seventeen straight wins. Defeated by, I'm assuming Collingwood, Collingwood yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, which was also the last team to beat them at uh, Punt Road. And finally, round 14, we spoke about Essendon salvaging a draw against Richmond at Punt Road Oval, ten goals, fourteen apiece. Uh, Jack McCormack had a chance to win as the the game as the bell rang, but the distance and the wind beat him. Yeah, well, yeah, that that'll get you. They were a ton, they were a very still the same tough team. They were they were a man's team. Tim. No, not the man's team. No, but, but they, they were, were a man's team. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it should be they said that the Checker Hughes was really out to to beat Collingwood as well. Yeah, he was sick of losing. To yeah, them. and he was and he's he's had three well two, two shots up at, uh, yeah, yeah at the at the flag and everyone's. Pushing for them, he want they want yeah he and wants he, to get there. And he thought they had their measure last season. Last season, yeah, and exactly. They, they sprung those surprise tactics in the grand final. At the yeah, moment. and changed things up. Yeah. So you're talking, I mean, you're talking about that rivalry with with Collingwood. You, you're really talking about a huge rivalry between two great coaches there as well. Two mm. two really fantastic jock, think, jock and checker, jock and checker mm. two fantastic thinkers of the game and how they get it played. So it's good. They know how to use their men. They do. Yeah. Mm. And you don't get a nickname like the Machine for nothing because, and I've, have you been listening closely? I know you have. <laughs> this, I do not get to say this very often. I'm going to enjoy this. In first place. Oh no, second. Sorry, we're up to second place. Okay. Yeah, anyway. Are you so excited? <laughs> I thought we were talking about Carlton. <laughs> okay. Well, just you know, just pretend. That, I'm not going to say that again. <laughs> yeah, do. Um, second place, Carlton, with 15 wins, three losses, and 136.9%.
Mm. Yeah, so a good a good year from the Blues, coached by Dan Minogue. Yeah, lured back from Tasmania. Yes. So Carlton luring him over, thinking he would be their success, he would be the key to their success and, and being able to beat Collingwood, mm. being a former Collingwood captain and Tigers coach who did beat Collingwood. It's something that Carlton yeah. have always been really good at is picking coaches. <laughs> So, yeah, coached by Dan Minogue, captain by Ray Brew again, and their lead goal kicker was Harry Soapy Valance with 64, who finished second in the the Coleman of the day with 64. Mm. Only 60 behind first place. (laughs) (laughs) It was unbelievable. Um, Yes. Um, Now, I might talk about this now because there's no definitive date on this, but Carlton's theme song is uh, supposedly written around this time. Ah. So, so there's, there's a few different stories. I'm going to go with this one. Uh, the strongest claim is that it was written by Agnes Wright and her cousin Irene McEldrew. Um, Agnes's mother was Dan Minogue's sister. Oh. Dory. So her great-uncle was Dan Minogue, uh, who was the coach of Carlton. It was written around 2931 with Lily of Laguna being a popular song of the time. Okay. Um, Agnes lived in Middle Park, Albert Park, and did have several Carlton players boarding with her at the time, such as Sophie Valance, mm. Eric Huxtable. One day after training, the players were bemoaning the fact they didn't have a theme song of their own. Yes, yeah, so they mm. would have been searching around for something. So Agnes and Irene composed the old Dark Navy Blues with these footballers. Um, yeah, so another claim is it was written by Jeffrey and Anne Hales, uh, but oh. the football record, and I, I guess officially rent with the Dan Minogue link in 2004. Oh. Okay. Mm. Okay. So after what? Uh, what are we talking? Seventy, seventy-four years. Yeah, they've, trying to they've work decided. Out the yeah. Origin of it. Um, it's interesting. The original song "Lily of Laguna" is incredibly racist as well. Okay. Mm. Okay. Even though they've just gone with the chorus here, but they. So back in the 1930s, I think they realised that and they rewrote the song as well. I believe. Okay. Yeah. Toward navy, navy blue people. I <laughs> no. Yeah. no we'll leave it there. Yes. So, but, um, but a lot of people, you know, obviously we used to, in the lounge room, they'd sit, sit around the piano and sing. Yes. And, and there was people in a lot of families who could who could bang out a tune. And um, so to me, it's not too surprising that no. someone has got it going. Who was musical, yeah. Um, and that it was a sort of like a, a pop, not a pop song, but like, you know, yeah. A, yeah. Well, they might. Oh, well, the other song. ones have been based on yeah, popular. The, other, the two. other two have been made yeah. based on popular songs of the time yeah. when they're written, haven't they? So that's what we know about football songs. They're all based on, apart from the newer ones, they're yeah. all based on actual songs. Actual songs, yeah. Mm. Um, so the the second closest um, was uh, second highest goal kicker was Horry Clover again, a, a very big name with thirty seven. But they were sort of they after that they kind of fell off a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it started off the season incredibly well with a win over Essendon. 73-point margin off, off the back of 13 goals to three in the second half. Um, they also welcomed five new faces to the team, including future Hall of Famer Frank Gill. Round two saw a grand final-like atmosphere in a tight loss to Richmond. Mm. Round three against Hawthorne, the Blues had over 40 scoring shots for the game. 13 goals, 28 almost double that of Hawks to bring up a 38-point win at Princess Park. Massive. So the Hawks are obviously easy to score against. That's yeah. what we're learning, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Round six, Carlton's key forwards, Jack Green, kicked eight, Horry Clover six, 14 goals between them as the Blues thrashed Fitzroy on their home turf. Yeah, 20, 23 goals, 17 that game. Massive. I'm loving Clover's consistency as well yeah. over the years. 
Uh, round 10 was another big game. They saw 33,000 people pack into Vic Park for an eagerly awaited clash between the two top sides, Carlton and Collingwood. Carlton started well and led at the first break, but after that, the Magpies, with their champion full forward, Golden Coventry, in top form, extended their authority and eventually won by five goals. Oh, Massive. Really, nice. any challenger, they're just thrown by the wayside. That's it. Uh, round 15 against South Melbourne, the great Harry Valance in his 50th game would kick again a bag of blues, 11 goals. Oh, love it. Mm. <laughs> big soapy. In a big win. Uh, yes. uh, and round 18, the final game of the season at a cold and wet Arden Street, Harry Valance was knocked senseless after kicking two early goals. The shin boners then seemed set for an upset, leading by 17 points at the last change, but a fantastic final quarter surge in which North was held scoreless, got the Blues home in a thriller. But that would mean Harry Valance would not be available for the first week of the finals. Uh, which is, will be a huge problem. Mm. Um, and speaking of Collingwood in first place, 18 wins, zero losses, 171.7% of Gordon Coventry. Still... The only team to get through an entire home and away season undefeated. Mm. Who got who got close to you? Essendon. Essendon did get close. <laughs> However, I'll say in this: Essendon won more games in a row than Collingwood because the season was longer. Well, yeah, over this over a season. Yeah. But I think Collingwood had won twenty seven in a row at this stage. Two seasons though. <laughs> so, well, <laughs> we'll see. One game, one one season, one streak. One season. <laughs> Is that how it works? Yeah. That's how you're doing it. So. I mean, these names, you know, captain by Sid Coventry, coach by Jock McHale. Stability, stability at the top. Lead goal kicker, Gordon Nuts Coventry (laughs) with 118 for the home and away season, 124 overall, which is massive. They set a heap of records this year. Yeah, it's really at the start of the season, um, Harry Curtis got up at at a, a meeting at the annual meeting and said, uh, we we can go better. We want to mm-hmm. we want to equal Carlton's record of three in a three row. row. We want to break records. Right. We, we want to be the first team to eight premierships. Yep. Yep. Uh, so really setting high expectations, which I I think was a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Because if you don't, you know these things fall apart. The machine breaks down. Yeah. Um. So again, another grandstand open this year as well at Vic. Yep. So we talked about uh, at Footscray at Western Oval with this one obviously at Vic Park, a yep. brand new. How much did this one cost? I'm not sure, but made possible because of the council's using the government's unemployment relief fund. Oh, good. To uh, build that. Um, Pre-season, we also talked about this, Charlie. um, Footscray offered Sid Coventry £12 a game, which was four times his own wage to come and play for them. He declined. But but Collingwood breaking from tradition offered him a £1 extra increase. So everyone else is getting paid £3? He was getting paid 4 didn't they? They dropped it down to three, so, yeah, two pounds. Two, two ten. Two ten, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so only a few debutants as well this year because the machines obviously well, really, really to break into. The team, the team didn't change. The only reason it changed was because of injury. Yeah. A couple of couple of big big ins this year. Charlie Ahern. And Tubby. Yeah, Horry Tubby Edmonds. Tubby Edmonds. <laughs> Great man. So round one, the unfurling of the flag, Mrs. Connor. <laughs> Mrs. Connor. Mrs. Connor helped unfurl the flag. Sarah Connor? I don't know. No. <laughs> uh, but tradition, so I'm happy. Yeah, good. Collingwood kicked 13 goals straight in this game against Richmond, recording their first behind in the last quarter. So, I mean, like, 13 I, 30 goals, goals straight, straight in, in a row. Missing. I don't yeah, know, that's amazing. Richmond scored. 
Uh, 13 goals until yeah. a point was kicked by um, Bottles Cheswas in the last quarter. Destroying the curse. Yeah. Uh, so their final score was 15 goals, two. <laughs> that is unbelievable. They won by 17. Round two, Bruce Andrew played his first game of the year against Hawthorne. This was significant because at the end of season previously, um, they the team went down to Mornington for a holiday, for a celebration. Uh, they all jumped in the water and Bruce Andrew did this and actually fractured his neck. Jumping in the jumping water. into the shallow water in mm. Mornington. Um, and it looked like he wouldn't be able to play again. Uh, so he came back. They won comfortably in this round two game. But unfortunately, um, Bruce Andrew broke his ankle. You're kidding. <laughs> so it was all so hard to come back and then breaks his ankle. Um, around about this time as well, Collingwood were looking for a bit more speed in their team um, to try and replace Bruce Andrew, him being a, a, a fast player. So they trialed a young Aboriginal kid from Northcote named Doug Nichols. Oh, get out of here. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's, first, so that's his first game. No, well, he, Doug Nichols never played for Collingwood. No, he came but down he and did trained. Some training, so he'd returned to play in a premiership with his VFA, VFA side, um, Northcote, ah. that, that year. And we know he pops up in a few more years. Yes. Yeah. But I yeah, had never realised. No. No, I don't think it's popular knowledge that he trained with Collingwood. No, well, it wouldn't be, would he? Because he was Breaking only about, how, he was only about 16 at this time. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Think quite young. Mm. Round three saw Coventry kick 11 goals against South Melbourne. <laughs> Um, between round three and eight, Collingwood would keep the same 18 players in the team. Yep. I mean, why would you change it? Well, part, yeah. Why would you change it? The other thing, though, being the players wanted to get paid. Oh, yeah, depression. of course. Uh, yeah. So if you don't play, you don't get paid. Mm. And jobs being scarce, you if you had any niggling injuries, you're going to just keep playing. Just keep on getting through them. Because you want the money. Yep. Desperate times. Um, round eight was the closest anyone came to beating Collingwood. We talked about this, St Kilda. St Kilda, yeah, only two goals. All looked lost for the Pies, who trailed by two points late in the game. But a freak bit of luck on their side uh, saw them actually win. Gordon Coventry grabbed the ball, and upon kicking it, he was bumped by Saints fullback uh, Ernie Loveless. And I think it might have been that bump that kind of corrected the ball. (laughs) So he helped him out. They won by four points. The machine rolls on. Round 13, Gordon Coventry uh, did what Harry Curtis wanted. He broke a record in a single game, kicking 16 goals. Against? Against. Yeah, the Ds. No. Who's easy to score against? No, well, I'm going to say uh, North Melbourne. North Hawthorne. Hawthorne. Oh, okay, right. He had man. four in the first five minutes and eight in total for the first quarter. I'm going to go back yep. and listen to the other part of the After the game, both teams congratulated him. Yeah, well, you got uh, it, um- don't you? Even the umpire shook his hand. And John Wren slipped him a little cheeky five-fifty-pound uh, note he for his efforts. Yeah, he certainly did. Didn't share it with any of his teammates either. <laughs> he fed him all day. Not even his brother. Unbelievable. No, no. And uh, this doesn't taint his character at all. Mm. No, it's just one of those things. Uh, round sixteen against Fitzroy Brunswick Street Oval, Coventry became the first player to kick hundred goals in a season. But no real fuss was made of this. No one ran up onto the ground. Ran onto the ground. Very little black. Back slapping. I guess it would like. Yeah, was it known at the on the actual like? Time? Was it known that it was? I mean, it, a bit, not, a, it couldn't be a tradition because it had never happened. Exactly. So um, yeah, but I think it also stems from the fact that Gordon Coventry didn't really want to praise individual efforts. It was more about the machine. The that team. was it. Jock was yeah. Jock was all about. It was everyone working together, and Coventry was part of that. And he was he was more than happy. He was drinking that Kool Aid. Yep. Hundred <laughs> uh, percent. So the end of the season, three games clear on top. Uh, average winning margin of 43, 43 points. 43 Kicked over 2,000 points 
for the season. So, first yeah. time a team had ever done this. So over the past three years in home and away home and away seasons, 27, 28 and 29, played 61 matches for 53 wins, one draw and seven losses. Sounds like Joel Selwood's first season, first few seasons. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> unbelievable, isn't it? It is indeed. Um, I've got to say, because we've got to talk about this, right? So Gordon Coventry, as I said, finished with 124. The next closest, Harry Collier, Bert Collier's brother, with 27. So they really only had one avenue to goal, yeah. didn't they? Uh, which, yeah, will become quite interesting in the grand final as well. Yes. We'll talk about that it shortly. It certainly will. Um, so let's move. Oh, let's go around the grounds first and check in with Big Red. Red. Big Red's local footy roundup or your state and suburban football action. Sinking our teeth in the grassroots football. Uh, now, Big Red is enjoying his honeymoon, so unfortunately you're just stuck with me doing around the grounds. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> so the 1929 season around Australia, we've got Norwood winning in South Australia. We've got East Fremantle going back to back in Western Australia. Northcote win the VFA with... Um, John Nichols, we already spoke yeah, about that. Right. Windsor in Queensland get the win. Newtown go back to back in Sydney. Sandhurst win the Bendigo League. Ballarat Imperials in the Ballarat League. Kalgoorlie Railways take out the Kalgoorlie Football League. Uni Blacks go back to back in the VAFA. In Tasmania, the three winners are Circular Head, North Hobart, and Launceston. We have West Aubrey winning the Ovens and Murray. Bansdale going back to back in Gippsland, and the Heathcote Rovers going. A three-peat in the Heathcote District League. Fantastic. Uh, come back soon, Big Red. We miss you. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, we certainly do. <laughs> uh, now, Brownlow Medal. The Brownlow. Now, Awarded on Wednesday, September 4th. Yep. The, uh, the Wednesday before the finals start. Yeah. As, as well, yeah, as tradition has dictated so far so for far. the Brownlow. Yep. Now, Kaz. Yep. What team do you think the Brownlow medalist is going to be from this year? <laughs> um, well, it, it couldn't really be anyone other than Collingwood, could it? You're absolutely, absolutely. right. It couldn't be. Okay. Oh, so, what? I thought it was going to be tripped up then. Maybe no, no, absolutely not. We wouldn't do that to you. <laughs> no. um, so the great Le- uh, Leader Collier. Albert, yep. Leader Collier. Albert Leader Collier. Only 20 years old, yeah. Twen- oh. just 20 as well, 20 and 57 days <laughs> wow. when the Brownlow came through for him in his fourth season. Uh, he started his career in the forward line and he filled out a little bit and moved uh, down to centre-half back. Um, he was described by Jack Dyer, the hard man, Captain Blood, as the only player he ever feared on the ground. There you go. Here's what the uh, newspaper said about him. Labelled as a remarkable physical specimen. Mm. His strength is such that his stamina is apparently unlimited. For Collingwood, he has been a tower of strength at centre-half back. He is a great and fearless mark, leaping up for the ball and holding the leather well. On the ground, he works with Herculean vigour. I love it. Smashing into crashes relentlessly. Yeah, he's tough. Tough. (laughs) Uh, So he got six best on grounds. Yep. And there were a few... And sh- in second, with four, so the three players on, yep. in, on four, Arthur Batchelor from Fitzroy, yep. Alan Hopkins from Footscray, and Warren Smith from... Arthur Warren Smith, so he almost got three. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Burke Collier, unbelievable. Yeah. Says he used to look after his little brother, Harry. 
They took great care of his smaller teammates. Yes, that's mm. right. Which so Harry, Harry was also well. We just said he was the second highest goal kicker with twenty-seven. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Which so takes us to the finals. finals yeah. Thanks. So the first, the. First yeah, the, final the first the final. 7th of September, Carlton St Kilda. The, yeah, it was Carlton versus St Kilda. St Kilda, as we mentioned before, mm. the team to beat, the team to beat in their run into finals. Yep. And they were beaten. They were. <laughs> so an interesting game, actually. Harry Valance was out for Carlton. We, we saw he was in, he was knocked out in that previous game. Um, Gambetta was having an off day, playing on Horry Clover. First quarter belonged to Carlton. He kicked four goals, five to one point, And that's really where the game was won. That's it. Um after the first quarter, a dust storm hit. It hit the whole of Melbourne, making the players hard to spot and stands in conditions difficult for both sides. Yeah. Once the dust storm cleared, the game settled down. Saints were playing catch-up all day. Couldn't quite get back into the game. Almost did, but not quite. Yeah, they were chasing their tails the whole game. Lost by eight points. Horry Clover kicking five. Yep. Yeah, which so probably just that experience for Carlton getting them over the line. That's it, well. even without Soapy Valance, which is which is big. Mm. So the second semi was uh, Richmond Collingwood, the big machine coming up against the Tigers, mm. the old the old rivalry. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about in the lead up to this game. Yes, Checker Hughes told his men about Collingwood. They're cocky by far. They are mm. no better than you are. They won't be expecting you to take the game up to them. Give them all you've got, and they'll crack. Yep. And they did. They did. They oh. certainly did. They cracked badly. They, they hit Collingwood hard. Sid Coventry and George Clayton were flattened in the first In the few first minutes. couple of minutes, yeah. Set the tone of the day. Yeah. And they, they were all like, those guys got up and played out the game, but were off, were off it. Yeah. And basically the entire team was off their game that day. So Richmond had their measure from the very beginning. Yeah, and just took it out by sixty-two points. It's kind of what um, what Collingwood did to Richmond in last year's preliminary final. Absolutely, just hitting them hard when they don't yeah, expect they, it. Yeah, that's it. They did, and I, you know, from what check what Checker said, I think is probably right. They did think that they were a hell of a lot better than everyone else that year, and, not and they lo- were, and not losing for that long as well. You get like you get lazy, complacent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, do you remember the way Geelong ended the two thousand and eighteen season last year? They had two wins by like over 120 points. Exactly. And then into a Melbourne team. Yeah. Just more Who were always, always going to, they were always going to win those games very comfortably. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it was tricky. Um, the fallout, oh, actually, in that game, Richmond scored 18 goals, 15, 123. Highest score kicked in a VFL finals match thus far. Excellent. Um, following the game, Basil McCormack was disqualified or suspended for eight weeks for striking George Clayton. Okay. But the bloke who hit Sid. Yes. Must have been fair. Mm. <laughs> which takes us to a prelim, it which we know is a prelim. Colling would have the right to Colling challenge. would have the right to challenge. So they know <laughs> that they're coming back. And in a very, very close game, very hard-fought game, yep. Richmond managed to get it done again against Carlton, winning by six points. Yeah, so look, Carlton looked to be in the winning seat. 13 points up well into the last quarter. Yeah. But rather than closing the game down, Kaz, yep. um, they adopted defensive tactics... Um, sorry. Rather than rather than adopting defensive Defense tactics, tactics. Yes. they started. They kept attacking, yep. trying trying to take the game on. Which you might say that's the right thing to do. Yep. Others not. Um, Alistair a- Clarkson wouldn't. He he shut it down. Um, that allowed <laughs> Richmond to get back into the contest, though. Yep. Scores were level near full time before Richmond's Jack snapped a clever goal just before the final siren to win the game for the Tigers. I mean, Jack Titus, maybe. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. It just says Jack. Um. 
One of the jacks. Some of the things that happened in this <laughs> game, in the first quarter, the umpire reported Tommy, Down, Tommy Downs for striking Harris with a blow to the jaw. Uh, Don Harris was reported for hitting Downs back, but later on in the game. Don Harris was cleared of striking, but um, Tommy Downs was given 19-game suspension. Massive. 19. Wow. Massive. Yeah, That's a big one. Right. Yeah, yeah, so the, the league wanting to, you know, kind of make a, a point. Make again, a point. Which we see happen all the time. Yeah. Um, other thing was, and this is a tactic I've it's been, been used, Jock McHale made the Collingwood team go and watch this game. Yes. Yes, oh. that he did. Which is quite, you know, quite, you know, Kevin Sheedy did that in 99. Well, a lot of, well, well Teams Not, have done it. Yeah, team and all like coaches often do it, and a few players often do it, but. Yeah. It's not it's be, definitely not at this time. No, yeah. to be the first to do it, you might think, "Oh, is this is this a good idea?" Yeah, yeah, exactly. Testing it out, and yeah. probably the kind of game that Jock McHale wanted these two teams to play to really just beat the crap out of oh, each other. Oh, and they yeah. and that they did. They did, didn't yeah. They? yeah. <laughs> Which takes us to the grand final, played on the twenty eighth of September, mm, back at in two two fifty p.m. in front of more than sixty three thousand people at the G. Is this a record? At this stage, yeah, I believe yeah. it is. Uh, Collingwood, Richmond. Yeah, it beats the 59,000 from 1913. Yeah. Mm. The rivalry is there. Mm. And the machine, the machine the two coaches. rolls on, Kaz. The um, machine rolls on. Also notes that there was a, a large crowd of people watching Hanging Richmond from train. trees. No, all that too, but Richmond yeah. training during the week. There's reports of um, them going, like large crowds at training. Yeah. Well, well, they're famous for having someone up that tree. Watching that yeah. yeah, that's it. So now's the time to uh, fire up the phone. Yeah, the way back when phone. The let's way have, back when phone. Let's have a chat. Sid, Sid must be getting sick of us. Ah, oh, seriously. G'day, Sid. Can you believe we're talking again? You boys must be getting sick of the sound of my voice. I know I am. <laughs> Not at all, Sid. It's amazing. You and your boys have done the unthinkable. Three in a row. Yeah, you uh, matched Carlton. Yeah, that's what we were going for. How are you feeling? Look, it's hard to put into words, fellas. I can say, I can just say we're over the moon. Well, we're not surprised. Now, look, from the outside, you guys seem to have been unstoppable all year. Uh, you went through the season undefeated. Is that how it's felt within the club? Uh, look, yes and no. Look, from the start, it's obviously been our goal, and we've worked really hard to get get to the top and stay at to the top. And it feels, but it feels like a the whole game slipped a bit. Um, we never lost respect for our opponents, though, but we knew our best could always beat anyone else's. And didn't you prove that this year? Not beaten in a home and away season once. Yeah. Were you ever worried? Oh, look, there was that one game against St Kilda round nine, but nah, not really. Uh, so, moving on a bit. Your teammate, Albert Collier, has won the Brownlow as well. How did you rate his season? Look, leader's a star. It's hard to believe he's only 20, isn't it? Uh, he's been our general at centre-half back all year. We couldn't be happier for him. And your brother as well. What a year for Gordon. Yeah, look, yeah. nuts couldn't be stopped, could he? It was great, especially to watch him kick 16 against Hawthorne, but it really comes down to that great delivery from the team as a whole as well. Yeah, of course, Sid. Uh, now, two weeks ago you met Richmond and lost in a tough game. Do you think you were overconfident after not dropping a game? Yeah, look, maybe. Um, Checker had a, had a plan to come at us hard, and they hit me and Clayton pretty hard in those first five minutes. And after that, I, I feel like I really didn't have my best game. Uh, a lot of us actually felt the same way after it, but we left it out there. 
Um, and instead of a normal training week, knowing you had another chance, Jock got you to do something different, didn't he? Yeah, look, he wasn't happy after that loss. So the next weekend, we all went down to watch the Tigers play Carlton. Uh, Jock told us a few times after that that we were only going to play the ball and not worry about Richmond's strong-arm tactics. If we were going to win, we were going to win fair. And when you did see it after a couple of changes? Yeah, Jock was a bit worried about me getting flattened again, so he brought in Charlie Ahern to clear a bit of a path for me, and he's done an amazing job. Look, there was a bit of talk about Bob Ross from the seconds getting a a run after his amazing season Mm -hmm. and winning the best and fairest. But it was really just all about what was going to be best for the team as a whole. Uh, He certainly put his body on the line, didn't he? We've heard he fractured his arm during one tussle. Did you know anything about that? Not really. This is the first I'm hearing of it, but I honestly wouldn't be surprised. He went hard at the ball all day, and that's what we wanted. Look, he got fouled a couple of times, but he's already talking about getting on the piano tonight, (laughs) so I don't know if it's all that serious. Fantastic. (laughs) And what about the other late call-up for the game, Horry Edmonds? Look, yeah, Tubby was amazing, but some of the credit has to go for, to Jock and Nuts for his five goals. Um, yeah, playing a bloke uh, who's kicked more than 100 goals as a dummy forward was a big call. Um, what did you and Gordon think about that? Look, uh, the whole team trusts Jock with our lives, and, and the trophy's far more important than who kicks the goals. We all agree with that. So the Tigers started strong, booting the first two, but you didn't let it bother you at all. Look, as I said, we, we knew we were the best team of the year and we just needed today to prove it. They were confident, probably a little overconfident. And yeah, yeah they kicked the first two, but then we were able to get six and give us a nice little lead. Uh, Billy Libis was delivering it for us beautifully and Tubby and Nuts were using it well. Uh, they were rough again, knocking out Bob Makem for a couple of minutes just before quarter time. Oh. And young Charlie was getting knocked about, trying to give me space. Yeah. And look, in that third quarter, they got pretty close. Were you ever worried? Look... Jock kept us really honest at the halftime break and wanted even more from us. He knew after that last weekend, Tigers were really bruised up and we were looking pretty fresh. They they did come up on us, but we never let them get closer than 20. And when Tubbs kicked his fifth just before the break, we knew we'd have them. And how about that rough play on uh, from Titus? Yeah, that was pretty funny, wasn't Ooh. it? I don't think Clayton will live that one down too quickly. <laughs> uh, he's a good player, Jack. I'm sure we'll see great things from him in years to come. Richmond did kick the last, uh, the first goal of the last quarter, but then you guys came back with one for uh, Billy Libis and your brother's 124th goal for the season. Uh, of your now three premierships, which do you think was the best? Look, I've been asked that question a couple of times now. It's too difficult to compare the sides, boys. Mm. The young players such as those Collier brothers, Billy Libis, Beveridge and others have been improved all the time and gained so much experience. Well, so Sid, apart from yourself... Who was the best on ground today? <laughs> Look, fellas, I wasn't even the ru- in the running. The, we've been nicknamed the machine, and that's for good reason. The whole thing falls apart if any piece goes missing, Ooh. from the biggest to the smallest. <laughs> Look, that said, young, young Charlie Hearn played one of the most selfless roles in getting the job done today, and Billy Libis was unstoppable in the middle, all dash and dazzle, and uh, very dangerous around the goals. Well, see, so we can hear it's quite noisy down there and yeah. you've probably got a lot to get to. Thank you again for talking to us yes, three three times in a row now. Yeah, maybe man. maybe we can go for four next year? Well, look, I'd absolutely love that, but we'll see. I'd better, I better run, though, fellas. Some, some blokes from the committee have just wandered into the rooms. All right. Thanks, Sid. Thanks, Sid. Cheers. Oh, Sid. Great to talk to him again. Good, isn't it? He, like, he, I feel like he really knows. He really yeah. gets us. Yeah, he does, he does. <laughs> Um, it's now, nice to keep talking to him. <laughs> we should invite him in. We should. So, 
Collingwood won that game 11 13 79 to Richmond 7 8 50. Mm-hmm. 29 point win. Their six goal, three first quarter really setting that up. That's it. Yep. They, yeah, Tigers came back, but they just couldn't quite get close. No. Now, a few other things as well. And Sid kind of alluded to it at the end of that interview. Um, the team received 11 letters before the game. Yes. Which were death threats towards 11 Collingwood players. Yeah. Very nice. That they kept under wraps until after the game. Which was very smart of them. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You wouldn't, because that would no, rattle them. Emotions, that's right. No, just well, that would put you... If you knew someone was trying to kill you or mm. what, what was happening, that would definitely affect their game. So, well played, Collingwood. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it'd be interesting to see, to know who sent them. Probably just Richmond supporters, but... <laughs> Yeah, you would imagine yeah, so. Trying to put them off their game. Um, the other thing was Charlie Ahern. Yes. So he received the green stick fracture yes. during the game, which now, he didn't like. He played through that. He played through it, and uh, judging by what Sid was saying as well, he didn't really know about it, and did, as he was talking about, did go on to uh, play the piano that night at he the did. at the club function. But and, and also ended up like he, he had to be convinced to go on the team's yeah. end of season trip to Tasmania. But he did go. Yeah, yeah, he had, yeah, to, be, yeah, yeah. He had to be convinced, but he yeah. went. Um, but he would have a terrible two years from this time on. Um, by the next season, he'd been diagnosed with bowel cancer and he would eventually pass away in 1931. And his wife blamed... The Richmond players for roughing him up for the, for the start of his d- yeah. rough, rough trot, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to put it into context, isn't it? But yeah, there was definite bad juju <laughs> yeah. in there. Uh, so some retirements that we have. Not not as many as I could usually find. Bert Chadwick. Yeah, being the one. great man. Yep. How, many, how many games did he play for Hawthorne? We one. only played this year. Did so, he play the whole season? I can check for you. So absolute champion of Melbourne, premiership captain, leading them to the promised land in 26, uh, retires. Well we have, said, Tim. We, thank you. We have Lloyd Hager as well, 174 games in Geelong, also a premiership player. He, he played the whole season. He played 17 games, okay. missed one. Um, Lloyd Hager kicking 389 goals, 14-time Victorian rep. Oh. George Rudolph, who left Richmond, 80 games, 61 goals. And Greg's, uh, George Stockdale. Greg Stockdale George Stockdale? Greg, I thought it was, leaving Greg. for Northcote, the VFA. Greg Stockdale, 106 games for Essendon, 189 goals. Yeah. Um, yeah, so only a few retirements. Obviously, there's more players that didn't play in the VFL again. These are just the ones. The that, big names that stand right. out. I noticed. All right. Um, the reserves as well. The winning team for 1929 was Richmond. They defeated Geelong by 23 points. But it should be said that the best and fairest winner of the seconds competition was a Collingwood player. Oh, really? Yep. Bob Ross. Bob Rose? Uh, Bob Rose. Oh, really? That's quite a famous Collingwood name as well. Where did I put it? Hang on. Oh, no, he? Bob Ross. Bob Ross, okay. Oh, okay, cool. Unless that was a miss, that's a mistype, maybe. Bob Ross. Well, maybe he comes into the, the hmm. proper team later. Have to look at it. Yes. Um, so, Kaz. Yes, I've been looking over there. The question now lingers. Now, the... you've all been listening very carefully, but just in case you missed one, we've got Jerry Toit. Toit! Cockgram. Don't know what Jack that's Cashman. Funny. Charlie, you want to give us some? <laughs> uh, Lenyam. Bonnie Izzard. It's funny the way you say it. Dennis Dini Fagan. Cecil yep. Petion. Uh, Ted Esposito. <laughs> I can't go past Ted Esposito. And, and Proudfoot was scratched. Yep. <laughs> okay, well, um, I, I can't give this much thought. Um, so I reckon just t- Ted Esposito. Esposito. Yeah, good. <laughs> wow. Um, Esposito. 
mean, imagine saying that. That's Spicito. <laughs> um, That's a big win for Melbourne. Sorry, uh, Jazz Nicks. <laughs> it's all right. Um, I liked all these new ones. I missed because last week, yeah, we had Soapy, um, Sugar. I like the nicknames as well. Yeah, well, they've been around for a while. Yeah. Hollington, London, though. I mean, that's a, it's a ripper. It's a very Melbourne. Is that back to back for Melbourne as well? It Good, is. getting it done. <laughs> the big D's. Uh, the highest score for the season was Collingwood, ten goal, twenty-two goals, ten, one hundred and forty-two. I'm going to assume it was against Hawthorne, but I don't know for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, other winners for the year, Premiership goes to Collingwood, the first team to make eight. The Brownlow medal. Not Kaja Greaves. No. Uh, it's that guy, Collier. Yes. Leader Collier. Yeah. The leading goal kicker. Nuts. The big nuts. nuts. Coventry. With 118, I'm going to say. Home and away. And the wooden Ooh, spoon winners. The no, shin boners. The their second uh, wooden spoon. Uh, Premiership tallies as of 1929. We have Collingwood with eight. Fitzroy with seven. So... This that's the this is from now on Fitzroy will never be the leading most successful mm. team in the VFL. Collingwood will hold that title until I think seventy nine ish. God. Uh, Essendon with six, Carlton with five, Melbourne with two, Richmond with two, South Melbourne with two, Geelong with one. Yeah, yeah. I mean Essendon are still pretty good, Tim. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, our success is a while off from this point in history. But uh, yeah, you let everyone have their time. That's it. That's it. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah, guys, yeah. You guys, fantastic job. Thanks, thanks, Kazman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, please check out our Good. website for all updates and news and things. That's Twitter also, changing. we do lots of stuff. Yes, yeah. um, stuff. check it you all can, out. You can check out all the past winners of the uh, the McCracken Name Award and <laughs> the Coulthard Shield if you want to look at that. There's lists. Yeah. If you want to find out more about uh, Ivo Crap. If you've Check got any the suggestions, the Crap Chronicles. Um, yeah, there's lots on there that you want to. You might want to. Yeah, know. absolutely. Check it all out. Uh, and please, if you haven't, if this is the first episode you've listened to, check out the back catalogue. Take it to Russia. Yeah, take it to Russia. Tell your Russian friends. Just keep, yeah, keep on going. Yeah, check it all out. Have a That's listen. Right. It's good. Fun. It's good fun. It's good family fun. It is most of the time. <laughs> Sit around the wireless, listen to it. Yeah, together. yeah, that's it. Just, you know, cheer for your favourite teams. That's it. That's what it's all about. Yeah. You know, if you go for one of the terrible teams like Melbourne, like <laughs> I do, yeah. uh, you can sometimes relive the great days yeah. of your days of your. Yeah, yeah. Um, feel good. Yeah, so please rate us. Um, on wherever you download your podcast, check it out. Tell one person about it. Yeah, Tell them to download it. Threaten them to, yeah. if you need to, but get them to do it. And, uh, and we, we get to keep doing it. That's it. Yeah. It's fun. We'll see you for the 1930 season, the last machine year. Yes, which we cannot wait for. Yes. Because that's the end. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we're looking forward to it. So thanks again for listening, everyone. Hooroo. You can contact kick to kick by email at kick to kick podcast at gmail.com find us on twitter at kick to kick pod or instagram which is at kick to kick pod as well for our growing list of all our references please go to kick to kick dot podbean.com slash p slash reference dash list thank you very much for listening